This is Andy Morales and welcome to episode 4 of the Jandam Sessions Live. Um, I'm excited to announce that I have a new co-host with me, Leon Jones. Brother, how are you? Hey man, no complaints, you know, just trying to live life day by day and, you know, make it the best way I can. Awesome. So, for those who don't know, tell these people where Living Canvas came from. All right. Well, the name Living Canvas um, is a very interesting one. So, I see it as this point. In the book of Ephesians, it says we are God's workmanship. And I've always seen mankind as a beautiful living canvas, as walking portraits. And there's even a poem I made um, about this um, concept where I say, what, um, what blotches are you putting on your canvas? And what I mean by the blotches are the things you do in your life, the emotions you output, the energy you output, um, your legacy, ultimately. When you see a painter with his stick and just making these broad strokes of his creativity okay and so i related and correlated the same way to the way we live our lives wow that's awesome man that's pretty creative i never even thought about it like that it's so cool because that's true it's like we all paint pictures of ourselves but only god is the painter god paints the actual picture of who he has called us to be that's the way i seen it based on what you've told me absolutely absolutely Oh man, but it, it, I gotta say, man, it's been so long since we've um had a conversation, and you know, knowing that you know, I'm proud to announce that you are officially my co-host now moving forward, and we're still gonna do the interviews and stuff. But the fact that now you have become my co-host, it's an honor and a privilege, bro. I think it's just a inevitable. I can't even say the word, but you know what I mean. It's just made sense that it happened now. You know, um, speaking of. Doing things together. I mean, I think we should address some elephants in the room. You know, when we first tried to do our uh, songs united, you know. Yes, yes. I think we could both it, agree it was just premature. I guess it was. The, I mean, the passion was there, the motivation was there. Absolutely, it just it was out of season. Is yeah. what it really was. It was an out of season um, attempt. Because everything, the concept of Psalms United, it was a beautiful, I mean, it was a beautiful creation. It was a beautiful concept. Just, it wasn't in the right season for that thing to have fruition and grow like it should have. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I think, too, I think spiritually, I, I think, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I think... Spiritually, I don't think I was actually in the right place and I didn't know I wasn't in the right place of mind, if that makes sense. Because I was still going through some things too and I think you it's like you when you worship onto God, you can't, you know, you got to worship in, in spirit and in truth. And I don't think yes. I was 100% doing that. Yeah, and I mean, to, to be completely honest with you, I wasn't there either. I was not there either. And so um, that's why it just kind of fell apart. And I feel that with this podcast uh, being in the year 2023, 
everything has gone full circle. Yeah, I gotta say because all right, so I guess I might as well address my thing where um the name because I know I mean people have asked me in interviews before, but I don't think I've actually sat down and actually talked about it. But the so I gotta talk about how it all started and why it started this way. And I'm probably I'm, I'm mostly gonna address some things, and it is what it is. I people people might get mad, but it is what it is, depending who's listening to it. But um. The way I started poetry on Instagram was back in 2018. Uh, this was after my dad died. I wanted to do something with my life. I said, damn, this can't be just work, home, do nothing, bullshit, and do whatever. And I'm like, yo, I, I got to do something, put myself out there. Because I, I want to put poetry out there. Let's be honest. I feel like poetry is underrated. It's not... There's not a lot of platforms to display your, your your work in that way. There's a lot of artwork and dance scene and stuff like that, but there's not a lot of poetry, poetic thing like back in the Allen Ginsberg days where in the 60s and the 70s where it had a lasting impact. Yes. And um, long story short, so, you know, I was looking at some things that everybody had these cool, catchy-ass names, you know, and I was like, you know what? So I'm going to say jam them down. Screw it. Like instead of write them down, it's jam them down. But what mm. um, the reason why jam is because my legal name, that is my initials, J-A-M. Ah, okay. So that's where the jam comes from. Because okay. my initials is jam, so jam them down. That's how I came up to. So when I first got recognized into the poetic um, community scene... It was Poets Anonymous. Um, Zillium Poetry had yes. tagged me in Love something. And, and I'm just like, wait, well, who's tagging me in this? I'm like, oh, wait, there's a live. So I know at that time you couldn't record like, like, you know, lives didn't stay on. It was only to 24 hours replay and then it got it disappeared. Mm -hmm. So I took another camera phone that I had and recorded the thing that way, which I still have to this very day. And everything just took off from their Poets Anonymous. I would check out the lives. And then from there, I met Brian Edwards. And then from Brian Edwards, because he started reading my pieces too. And Brian Edwards doesn't read anybody. He doesn't just read anybody. He reads something that's really uplifting, something that's really expect that how he relates to. That's what they about yeah. um, Brian Edwards. He doesn't just read anybody. So he read a piece that I wrote called From Your Youngest Son. Um, I have wrote that March, April, May, June. Pretty much three months after my father passed away, I had wrote that piece. And he had related, that resonated with him in such a profound way. And then me and him was just talking back and forth, DMing each other. And then he was doing Matt Props live. I don't know what happened to that, but... Yeah, if that kind of fell apart. Um, I believe Jared was one of the people, part of it. It was, I think, Jared and... I could be thinking of another account, but I think it was Jared and the girl and somebody else. But yeah, I um, was a part of that scene as well, where they would have like daily prompts and everything each week. Yeah. Um, so I remember, um, oh my God, what you want to call it? So that, that's how I knew, because he was doing these open mics. He would do the sounds off. Yes. That's what um, Brian Edwards was doing. He was doing it there. He was doing it at Poets Anonymous and stuff like that. And then when I did my first ever live... Um, so it's funny because I figured, you know what, let me do something that relates to the name. It'd be cool because they had these mad props live and Poets Anonymous and Your Heart Beats Loud was another one because yeah, Brett Allen Hart was in it. And yeah. that's how I met Natalie. 
um, who I, I, cause I consider one of my great friends, even though I haven't spoken to her in so long, but cause I know everybody's going through some stuff, but, uh, Natalie and Brett have welcomed me in and I used to enjoy that so much. Her and this other girl named Adriana that, that used to always be on the chats. Um, but anyway, um, so jammed them down when I first, and, and it was through those people that I did, I wanted to do my own life. And I remember, um, I remember, if I remember correctly, I did my first live and I had these poets. Okay, like I'm going to read your pieces and stuff like that. It was my first time. I was nervous. Mm -hmm. I was fucking up a lot. But people would love the fact that I was able to have a conversation. And the second live, I read live and then I did like an open mic where people would just... But it's like, I wish I knew then what I knew now because if I could have, I could have recorded these episodes these these lives and make them into episodes because it was so profound it was so organic so that's where the jandom sessions live came from yeah them down jandom sessions live and then when joe Steele told me about podcasting and anchor that's when i decided to turn it into a podcast so i've had some few attempts and they weren't that great but it was one of those I'm trying to find my shell, I guess if that makes sense. And it got to that point where now here we are, three, four years later now, and this podcast is already on its third season. And I can honestly say it's been through a lot of ups and downs because my poetry page became a, a community page when your heart beats live. I mean, yeah, your heart beats loud and your, um, what's the other one? Matt Props, like all these other communities started to leave due to unfortunate circumstances. And I said, you know, I want to open up my own thing and jammed them down, became a thing. And eventually it became Ink Sessions Live and I had, I had a whole team. But what it all comes down to is there was just a lot of creative differences. Like, I'm just calling it what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's just what it is. And sometimes the commitment and the excitement wasn't as there. I'm not saying they weren't committed, but I guess I saw it from a different perspective that we weren't all on the same page. And that's something mm -hmm. that I had to learn the hard way. Well, not everybody sees your visions the way, same way, even though my intentions were good. But it was one of those things that it was just me and Robin, Leoras. And then... It just officially died after that. And then I said, all right. And then I turned it back to just the Andy Morales. It's just what it is. But I kept the Jandom Sessions name, um, live name as the podcast. And then I had a hiatus. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to just do it and that's it. And I want to thank Carlos Medina from Mage Soul Poetry for pushing me to continue this. Because it needs to be had. And, you know, here we are now, uh, again, three, four years later on the third season, and now you're officially my co-host. So it's just like, um, it's crazy, you know, but um, let's be honest. I mean, you know, even though I've been blessed by this community, but I witnessed a lot of weirdness, too. I mean, let's just call it what Yeah, it is. it's not. I feel like a lot of brokenness has happened in the community from when I first started. And... um I actually got introduced into the poetry community that um, by an account I had, which unfortunately was disabled because I was doing poetry, but I was also doing body art. Um, and yeah, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother story. Were you, lost... weren't you in another page also with Brett? Didn't you have a community page you used to do with him? Yeah, I actually was part of, um, yeah, I was actually part of Poet, Poets, um, 
Oh, oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember. I was actually part of a couple groups, but I um I originally got started with Ink Innovators. Um, that was one of the first groups I was part of. Ink Innovators. Okay, I think I. Remember and then that Poetry one. Battles. So Poetry Battles, I remember. Poetry Battles was where I really kicked off. Poetry Battles and Ink Innovators, and I remember I had written like this prompt. It was part of a prompt, and I had just, you know, randomly jumped on it, and all of a sudden, like, out of all these other poets, I was number one. Nice. I, and I was like, whoa, really? I was like, really? I was like, y'all, y'all really think I'm not good? And then from there, it kicked off me being a part of um, Poetry Battles and um, Ink Innovators. And then from there, that's where I started meeting other po- poets, and we all can we're all kind of connected and I was with them for a while and I like left out of just it just became a little too much for me and then once again I got connected with um I keep wanting to say Poets Anonymous but that's not who I was connected with um it was um a poetry page where we um it was poets who would come together we would do a topic and then um, from that topic, two poets with different styles would come together and basically just um oh collaborate. Oh my god, I remember that because that's I know what you told me. I remember I don't remember the name, but I remember the community page because that's actually because because that Ink Innovators. That's why I first saw you and Brett. You guys did a line yes. together, and I remember yes. that. And then I remember that other page. It was like a collaboration piece, right? Because yes, because Stacy Conventry. That's how I met Stacy Conventry. That's how I met the other guy that did um I forgot his name, but he does um he used to do um anti poetic revolution with um mm-hmm. raging no not raging po- oh, what's her name oh my god willow black willow i think it was they were doing that together mm-hmm. and that's how i met stacy conventry because me and stacy conventry did a piece together called la mierda libre which means the the um the flying fuck pretty much in spanish and oh wow we was, we was talk- and basically we was doing it was a it was a piece about us talking to cancer and rebuking and just talking like yo you you a piece of shit like pretty much talking down to cancer because they because they took both our parents because um cancer mm. took her mom and cancer took my father yeah. and we had this wow. thing like i did a piece and she did a piece and it was just one of those things that it just became such an organic thing between me and her and you know she was going through a lot of stuff um i remember, i'm not gonna pull her whole business out there just out of respect but i will say this i remember there was people like certain people like stalking her and shit like that so it was just like a whole fucking thing and like that's why she was she hasn't really been on instagram like that but when i do get a chance i do talk to her from time to time check up on her because you know She's one of those people that I I do worry about a lot because I've I really I had friends that relate to her that they're not in this life anymore, and it's mm-hmm. one of those I can't lose another person I can't lose another friend I, I I just can't, you know and but that's how I met I remember that you know what's so funny because two, I think that was what like 2018 but more going like 2019 2020 ish, that's when I noticed once the lockdown happened. That's when I noticed that, um, oh my God, what the fuck was it? That's when other poetry, poetry community pages started coming up that I never even heard of. Like, Untwined was another one. Yeah, yeah. I will say this. I would say, like, 
during the time of the lockdown, I felt like everyone was, was going live. Poetry community peaked. That was when the poetry community peaked between 2019 and like into the middle of 2021. Yeah, because, because I remember. Yeah, during that time, that is when all these different poetry communities just popped up, and also during that time was when my creativity for writing poetry was really at its peak. I was writing poetry all the time during the time of the lockdown. And actually, um, I got published. And I got published multiple times. Like, oh, yeah. The, um, the Poetic Symphony, right? Because um, Brandon White Poetic was a Symphony. part of that. Brandon White, who's I, I yes, consider a good friend. Yes, and that was friend. through Tara Caribou, who is a really good... Tara Caribou is still a good friend of mine. And we talk, we still talk a lot, but yeah, she I gotta, always supported me. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta get her on the show. We have to. Bro. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I need to, because she's such a creative woman. And then I just had to look it up. So the group I used to be a part of was called Poetic Duets. Yes, Poetic Duets. Yes. Oh my God. Okay, you know, so that should be the topic right now. Just the whole. Oh my God, because dude, you gotta understand something. When that happened, when the lockdown happened, I was going live every week or every other day. I drove my wife crazy yeah. with that. But that's because that's when Jammed Them Down was peaking. Yeah, I think that's what it was because everybody was peaking. Let's be real. It was peaking yeah. during I was that peaking, whole time. Yes, and more people would join live because I would get 20, 30, 50 people max. I've had that. And yes. then me, because especially when it was me and Robin doing the live, or me and Zine Zielinski was another one, or me, Ash LaPearl, I think her name was, who she goes by, Ash Gypsy, um, Amanda Springs, it was us, and every day, every week, yeah, and then I had another girl named Robin with the other guy, I forgot the other guy's name, um... But they were doing lives on Tuesday night because that's where your heart beats loud used to be in. And then we took over that slot. Now, the the thing that was annoying, I don't know if you experienced this, but I did, where I've had people hit me up and tell me that I'm going over their life. Yeah. Um, th- that's when it started getting fucking ridiculous. I mean, no, you know yeah, what? Look, this is, people, like, this is a non-filter. Like... I just want to say this is a non-filter podcast. We talk about whatever raw. I don't give a shit. So this is what it is. Let's just be yeah, real. So a lot of people during that time, and it's funny because like, they're acting was... like bitches. Let's just call it what the fuck it is, bro. <laughs> I was like, like, you're more raw than I am. I'm trying to be more civil about the whole situation. <laughs> like, but there'd be like three or four different lives of community groups and. I always wasn't it to be supportive of everybody. Me too. So I'll be hopping on like one live for 10 minutes, hop on another live for 10 minutes, hop on another live for 10 minutes. You know, just I would just be jumping back and forth just to be like, yo, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Because I just yeah. wanted to hear everybody. I wanted to be oh, supportive of everybody. Oh my God, bro. It was, it was, it was wild. It was what? Yeah, 2020 was ridiculous because. Although the community, I think it broke. See, but that's what I'm saying. How how can something grow so big like that? But then once everything's gone, as everybody's back to the lights, I get it. We work, whatever. But it's like, how could poetry not be a, a, a impactful thing? You would think we would, could grow from there to make it bigger. Because when, yeah, like- when I was talking to Robin Charbonneau, 
it was like we was like that it has to be something to make it so profound and it's so funny because he just pulled it up actually you know hold on there's actual in a, a, a article that a little post that he put that talks about um is poetry dead like and it was like a whole mm. conversation and i was talking to robert i said hey robert we have to do uh we have to do a uh an episode now that because I said yo we gotta talk about this because he wants to do a live, and I said yo we got I got now that you and me are talking about this I'm gonna hit up Robert but we have to do an episode about this is poetry dead and that's there's like a whole post he said and one thing uh, I found very interesting is hold on um my wait where is it. I think it's safe to say whether or not the premise is true, the perception that poetry is defunct art form is absolutely true. Even though who do those who do not believe it must argue against it as their starting point. They must defend poetry by saying that it is still alive and well, and there are still plenty of poets doing good work. And yet, despite these protests, the larger culture seems to shrug. A 2015 poll from the Survey of Public Participation in the Arts found that since 2002, the share of poetry readers have contracted by 45%. The number of people who have read a poetry book in the last 12 months was less than 10%. Despite advocates of poetry pointing to thriving scenes on social media and in poetry slams and in the success of poets like Rup, I'm sorry, Rupi Kaur and Amanda Gorman, the larger public is mostly uninterested. What do you think about that? This is this is by Robert Charbonneau, by the way. Um, I'm going to tag him. He's probably going to be like, okay, oh, this is why I'm getting tagged in. Okay, but anyway, but, but what do you think about that? It's like, I feel like it's, I don't know, like, like, because back in the 70s and 60s and 50s, poetry was a big impactful role in civilization. A lot of people don't know this, but, you know, back in the 50s, because this when I had Tony Tregilio from, uh, he was a professor from um, college, uh, Columbia University in Chicago. He, you know, one thing that we were talking about in this one episode, season two, we said, well, Allen Ginsberg talked about topics that were very frowned upon at that time. The, mm -hmm. There was the beat generation. So that beat generation was the bridge to the hippie era. That was the bridge. Right. Because that's when it was shrooms. That's when it was marijuana. There was all these things coming out. And they were very countercultural. And poetry and words and thoughts had a big impact. So my question is, how can we go back to that? Because it seems like there's a lot of people trying to do that. And then when we had the opportunity, I'm going to be brutally honest. I think we allowed the stupidity and the pridefulness of that get in the way of what could have been a more profound thing even after the pandemic took place. That's what I think. What do you, what are yeah, your thoughts? Because I do feel during the time of the lockdown, definitely there was a renaissance and a resurgence in the interest of poetry because, you know, poetry is something where like it speaks to the very depths of the soul, to the very depths of the consciousness. And poetry is very therapeutic. I mean, I will tell you, it is because of the gift, the God-given gift of writing and creating that really helped me get through um, 2020. Yeah. And I really thrived in there because 
I really thrived during that time because even though it was like the worst of times, I mean, during 2020, so much had happened. It just wasn't the lockdown, but I had lost my Nana. Um, I had lost a roommate who had passed away. I had lost a best friend who died from a drug overdose. Um, I lost my job of five years. I lost all of this within the span of a couple of months. Yet during this time, my creativity peaked. And then there was the whole big thing of like Black Lives Matter, that whole protest. Oh my God, and, bro. And then not just that, but protests of everything. And then all of these things were just hitting me. So all these things that you thought would have been, oh, these things are going to break you. These things are going to destroy you. It really made my creativity peak because I had so much on my mind. I felt like if I didn't put it out, I was going to implode from the inside out. And so during that time, I feel a lot of people felt that way. And poetry was used as the driving vehicle and outlet to be able to express their feelings in a multifaceted ways yeah yeah i definitely agree it is so f interesting too you know why because it was during that time that's when i got into okay because i used uh there was a person i follow on instagram that she used to go to my church and she was a poet a poet very very well known her name was leah james and it, through her um there was these other stuff you know because you know sometimes on instagram you could click on people and then there's suggestions and stuff and this one, they started doing suggestions like really, really hardcore. And through yes. her, I got introduced to um, Poetic Boy D. And then there was another person by the name of Erica Martyr, especially her, because she kind of had some controversy on her community. Uh, she didn't do po she, she she did poetry, but she did more like, you know, like um, dancing and stuff like that. But she was okay. the kind of person that she kind of like. Okay, like if she has something to say, she's very outspoken person, and she was mm -hmm. part of the. She was actually, um, she she was very big in the Black Lives Matter part where there was actually an article about her, and one wow. thing she one thing she talked about, and I, I gotta reach out to her one day, but there was a part a moment where it was her and somebody else, and she said, "If my people ever hurt you, I'm sorry," and they did like this whole hug thing, like. And there was there was an article about it. Like, it, let me let's just be honest. I think that's one of those few times in this generation of society that people actually got together, like started to realize, like, oh shit, like what's going on. And it's so yes. crazy to me because this was during the time too where WWE was doing that um, WWE backstage, and then they started doing the the video stuff. And the rest of CM Punk says something very profound, and this is a white guy saying this, and and I'm just quoting what was said. Um, I'm not gonna remember exactly how he said it, but he said he was talking to another wrestler named Mark Henry, and he was saying how Mark Henry, okay, yeah. So Mark, he was telling Mark Henry, well, okay, see, if I get stopped by the police, this is CM Punk saying that he said if he gets stopped by the police, he's afraid he's gonna get a ticket. If your son, who's black, gets stopped by the police, he's afraid he's gonna get murdered. And mm -hmm. it's gotten to a point where we need to get together and realize. If a lot of people just shut up more and listen more and try to understand where the other party's coming from, maybe it wouldn't be as crazy. And then he said, let's be honest, like white people are more privileged. And this is a white guy saying this. This is what CM Punk said. And I'm like, you know what? It's true. 
like if we just shut up more and listen more i think we could have a better understanding of civilization itself because i think now this is me talking now i feel the problem is with society we always want to be first we always want to be right but mm-hmm. how can we be right if we don't understand the full scope of something? Just because I exactly. didn't experience something does not mean that I don't understand. Maybe I'm not going to understand the full scope because I never experienced it. But exactly. I'll have an understanding. But help me understand you so we could come to a common ground. And I think that's yes. the problem. And see, what happens is a lot of people, because they didn't have your life experience, um, they invalidate what you have to say, even if you have like what, you know, well, the slang, what they use, I got the receipts. You can bring the receipts, the evidence, the facts. And it's like, it is a cognitive dissonance to that other party that you're trying to explain. And some people are not good at explaining what's going on. Some people are, some people can consciously just know how to break it down line by line layer by layer and still there is this mental blockage this cognitive dissonance of i still don't understand and then i think at that point it's you don't want to understand because i feel it will break your bubble and perception of the reality that's been built up for you but do you think that's what but do you think that's where narcissism comes from though too i would say yeah it is a yeah, it is a bit of narcissism and pride weaved in together uh, because even if there's some points you disagree on, you should try to understand the other side, the other party. When people say, well, let's agree to disagree, um, but then I can understand your situation. And it's also a lack of empathy. It's also a lack of empathy. And then you have to remember Unfortunately, um, the culture we live in still in 2023, it is still this very volatile culture where it feels that at any moment, there's just going to be that keg explosion yeah. of chaos. Oh my God. It's so true, bro. Like, yo, bro, it, it's like we, when we were talking privately, I remember saying, bro, remember how I said, yeah, I think it was yesterday. I was like, Bro, I think we have to do this and start recording, bro. And I think I was basically right because, dude, so much came out of this doing this episode on the fly, basically. And it's so profound. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, this is what it's supposed to be. Words, expression, and just, like, let's tell it like it is. Let's, what are people not talking about? And it's so crazy to me because I'm like, wow, like, this is really a thing. This is really happening. That's amazing. Like, hey, let's fucking do this shit. And it's so crazy how, look how much came out of just doing this right now, you know? And it's just like, I was just, it, it, everything you just said. I was th- I- I've been feeling like this for years, and it's and that, like, bro. I have to tell you a testimony of, of me, a story of me, and this is a prep crowd example. Now, me, um, I was born in Newark, New Jersey, okay, and my mom, she didn't want me to like live in in the hood or anything, so I was raised in a predominantly like white town, um, in New Jersey, like. You could really count the black people on your fingers. Wow. That's, I mean, I'm not even, I, you know, I'm not even lying about this. This, this is, this is, this is true. I was one of the very few black people in this town. 
So, you know, I was raised to around like white people like all my life. And, um, you know, I, racism, I didn't really, I would get microaggression racism. I understand that now. But for the most part, my growing up was good. I didn't have like racial slurs thrown at me um, by main people or anything like that. It wasn't like I don't have any horror stories to tell you. But I will tell, tell you this though. I mean, there was still certain incidences that happened to me. Uh, one time I was with uh, two, I was with two of my friends. We were walking from the park. This was about 8.30 or 9 o'clock. And we were, we were like young teenagers then. Then all of a sudden, this cop stops us. And these cops stop us. There's like two cops. So then there's my friend. There's my one white friend. And then there's me. And then there's my other friend. Um, and she's black. They tell my white friend, oh, you can go. And they pretty much interrogate me and her for a good part of five to eight minutes and she leaves because her mom is calling her so they allow her to go but then they interrogate me and just questioning just asking me silly stuff like what are you doing out here so late and you know um was anybody else with you all these all these crazy things only to find out down the line the reason why there were so many private cops on the time like down the line, there was this like drug bust, but it was this like white guy who was doing it. Um, but yet they're questioning like <laughs> teenagers. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And then there was another point where I lived um, in Newton, New Jersey, which is another small town. And I was out. This is this is crazy how this happened. I used to always carry a book bag, and in this book bag, um. I had a notepad, pen, pencils, and I always carried the CDs and stuff. You know, straight straight ninety style. CDs, yeah, wow. CDs. We taking it back. CDs, yes, the CDs. Yeah, this was like two thousand four when this happened, and so I remember. I just had met these kids. Never really met, hung out with them before, but I've always had the ability to, you know, being an extrovert. I've always had the ability to be able to talk to people and you know, get things going and stuff and in a positive way. And so um, they thought it was really cool to talk with them. Like, hey, yo, we got this party. Um, We're going, do you want to come? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. So I went with them. I went over to this um, girl's house. She had a party in her basement. We're all hanging out, having a good time, partying. I put my CDs on and everything. And pretty much I felt like I'm the DJ there because I'm just playing all these new CDs I had. And then a fight. Yeah, God. And then a fight breaks out between these two, these two guys. And I'm trying to be the mediator to break it up. And they still keep it going and everything. And then they go upstairs to go fight outside. And then they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna call the cops." And I go, like, oh, "God, if they call the cops, it's it's really gonna be because here I am. I'm like black kid in the midst of all these like you know white kids, <laughs> you know, wow. and so." And so the cops get called to um, to break up the fight between these two. And then the cops tell us to line up. And I was 20 at the time. Everybody else was, you know, 
18, 17, 16. And then I'm standing next to this one guy and my watch who they're going to question first. It ain't even going to be them. It's going to be me. Like, nah, bro, you're cool, dude. Why would they do that? And I'm like, watch this. <laughs> and I'm telling you, like clockwork, they came up to me, started questioning me, like how old I was, like 20. And all of a sudden, like, 20? What are you doing hanging out with 17-year-olds and 16-year-olds and 18-year-olds? And I was like, wait, what? It was like, I was just here at the party. They're like, what's in your book bag, CDs? So then... And they'll question me if I was some drug dealer or something, like just because I had a book bag on. And then I couldn't even go back downstairs to get like any of my CDs. Um, so I lost a lot of my CDs that night, all because wow. of the stupid fight that broke stupid fight that broke out between two two people. <laughs> oh and God, wow. I was never able to go back to that house. And it was just really ridiculous. But just from there it showed like all these other kids who were there at the party, but you're going to question me first. It just comes to show. Yeah. Like it's just like the perception has changed because what you were probably used to now it's like, wait, my perception's changed now because I never went through this. Now I'm going through it. Like I, yes, it's like you hear exactly. about it all the time, but it's like, mm-hmm. Oh shit. What the fuck's going on? You know, it's funny too. I have this conversation with my wife too. Cause you know, my wife is Spanish. You know, she's Puerto Rican, Mexican and, and uh, not Italian and Peruvian. Right. I'm Puerto Rican. So I grew up in Brooklyn, Bushwick, you know, back in the day, Bushwick was not a good place to live. I mean, it still isn't a good place to live. It's not as bad as before because gentrification and all this bullshit that happened. But um, yeah, yeah. And even Williamsburg too. That now it's like it's a whole different. It, I feel like I'm in Soho in Manhattan and shit. But, <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy to me because I was saying to my wife, well, you know, where my mom lives, especially, it wasn't always like this. You know, it was there was mm-hmm. a lot of white people, a lot of a little bit of everybody, but mostly white people, and it's so crazy because. Let me not say what, maybe Caucasians, whatever you want to call it, right? But my whole thing is, you know, like, that wasn't the best place to live. Like, the, when I say it was the ghetto, like, the hood hood, like, every other weekend, there was always someone getting shot up on the block. Like, that's just yeah. what I grew up in. See, my wife, like, she gets it, she understands, but she wouldn't, she doesn't really understand it how I would understand it, only because she's never lived in the ghetto. Like, her mom refused to live in that fixed income society so she bust the ass mm-hmm. so my wife can ha- my you know pretty much her daughter could have the life that she had and stuff like that so you know yeah she lived in brighton beach but she had she hung down coley island and not, some parts were ghetto some parts weren't that bad but there was particular parks everybody played handball that was the thing of her time because remember she's seven years older than i am so when i was 10 she was already what 17 and shit yeah she was playing jump rope while i was fucking watching wrestling and Monday Night Raw and shit, you know, on TV because I was sheltered and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, she worked at the airport where I was still in high school. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So it's like civilization has changed so much that when I was growing up, even when I did go outside with my mom or my parents or whatever, it was like, oh, we're going to go to the park. Now motherfuckers are like, you know... We, we, we hang out on the pier on their, our phones and smoking a blunt. Like, that's how it is today. It was different when I was growing up. It wasn't like that. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm only 37 years old, but, like, let's be real. Like, I feel like so much has changed dramatically. Oh, my gosh. I mean, technology, I mean, I was literally talking to one of my best friends, and he always, he's younger than me. He's 22. Um, and he asked me, you know, how was it for you growing up? 
And I told him, a lot of the times um, when I look at where we are now, I feel like I live in a different dimension or a different reality. It yeah, feels so foreign to me. It's crazy. Everything feels so strange to me. Ooh, I, ooh. I remember. You just reminded me of something when you're done. Let me know. I, I, oh, you just reminded me of something. I, I remember playing at the park. Um, I remember I used to like hang out with my friends and we used to go play manhunt, tag, what have you. We used to play out in the park or whatever until, you know, the evening time and stuff. And we just used to have fun just running around. Yeah, or oh, you we had a water that. gun when it was okay to have right, a water exactly. gun, water and, guns. and nerf guns and to, shit. We nerf guns. We used to build. We used to play on the basketball court. We used to build leaf forts in the fall and build like snow forts in the winter. You know what I mean? Oh, we were very like God. we were very active. And bro, then it's like freaking hopscotch, bro. Are you kidding? Yeah, me? hopscotch. Oh my God, hopscotch. We used to go. Go on the swings and in the merry-go-round and go down the slides and we used to make up all these imaginary Dude, before, games. When to... text messaging was passing a note in class, bro. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, it, oh yeah. it, it, it was god. such a, it was such a more simpler time. You know what I mean? And That's then... what I'm saying. Like even though, despite the bullshit that was going on, but I think our the the, the generation before us, they did a good job of. Kind of keeping us away of the curve, if that makes sense. Yeah. And opposed to now, everybody's exposed to everything. I'm not saying I wasn't. I mean, listen, I was exposed to stuff that I didn't really understand. That, and I came from. Now, let's go back to my childhood. That back to what I was saying before about my wife. She's not really gonna understand my struggle in that way. Like she gets it, but she's not gonna really understand because she never experienced it. She never lived in the ghetto. She never lived in the hood. You know, like, same thing with you. Like, like you were saying, even though you were black, but you never really lived in the ghetto because your mom didn't want that for you. So, right, me, exactly. Unfortunately, I lived in that society where, you know, again, people were getting shot up in the block maybe every other weekend. Or they would do block parties, but then always a fight broke out. Or somebody had beef with someone from another neighborhood because Best Eye was not that far. It was that mm, walking yeah. distance from where I used to live. And, again, the slangs were different. The conversations were different. And, you know, people used to get shot just for a quarter. Like, I, I, I've i seen it happen. Like, and, and, but dang, I lived in, in, a, in a culture where, okay, my father was Puerto Rican, 1950s. He was very old school. He Like, like whatever happens out there cannot happen to us. Like, that was how he was. He was very controlling. He was, that that's just how my dad was. But, you know, and I understand he tried the best he could to do whatever he could. But realistically speaking, let's be real, um... It was also a difficult time because, you know, like, this is stuff he didn't really understand. He came from the island of Puerto Rico. Like, that civilization was different. So, and this is around the time where mental health was a thing. Well, it wasn't really a thing. It was a thing, but no one talked about it because they were like, oh, you'll get over it. Or stop being a baby. Exactly. And exactly. that's how it was. And it's like, you know, just the struggle of trying to get through childhood knowing these things. I thought it was never going to end. I'll be honest with you. I've I've had suicidal attempts. I've had times where I just wanted to end my life because I, I couldn't take this anymore. And I'm mm. only a kid. I'm only, what, 15, 16 years old. I didn't really understand stuff. Yeah. And it was crazy because, you know, even though I wanted to fit in, um, I always felt out of place kind of thing. And it was just like, no matter, even when I finally did fit into a circle, I, I always felt out of place everywhere I was, everywhere I've been. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy because if I look back 
and it reminded me something you said about the dimension. I don't know if you remember this show from back in the day called Sliders. Oh my gosh, yeah, from the early 90s, I used to w love watching Sliders. So that's what that feels like to me. Like, yes, like, absolutely. It's like you get another dimension where, oh yeah, so Russia actually beat America. Oh, okay. Right. But then you're in another dimension. Oh, it's it's normal, but aliens exist or something. Like in this mm -hmm. case, I feel like I worked out of this thing and now I live in... Like, come on. If you would have told me when I was living in Bushwick that I'm going to get married and live in Bayonne, you would look, I would look at you like, what the hell? You what the fuck is Bayonne? I don't even know what the hell that existed. <laughs> yeah. There's that saying, people from Jersey City and Hoboken, they say, oh, if it's in Bayonne, leave it alone. I'm like, okay. But now I kind of see why they say that. But I'm like, oh. But if you would have told me this back then, I would have thought you were crazy because Bayonne used to be very trailer parky ish, trash, or whatever. But it's get, little by little, it's getting gentrified. And I feel like I'm back in Brooklyn again. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is happening. Because if you go to Hoboken now, I feel like I'm in West 4th Street in Manhattan. Mm. That shit is wow. fucking crazy. It's changed. See, I and I've not even been in New Jersey since two thousand nine. That's what I'm even, so like, even I Newark, even, even Newark, some parts of Newark are not is actually pretty nice. Um, Jersey City, like where I work at, I'm not gonna tell you where I work at because that's no one's business. But um, I work at a retail right. store that's not that far from like the Path Train. I'll say that, and it's like, wait a second, like like this part of Jersey City used to be bad. Now it's like, it's like condos and. Goldman Sachs and shit like that. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. East New it's... York. Go to East New York. There's condos there. Like, what is going on here? And I, my whole thing is, okay, change is good. But is it for everybody or is it only for a certain group of society? Only for them and that's it. Mm. I see where you're coming from. I mean, that's the way how it is in Detroit. Like, you know, I mean, when people think of Detroit, like, oh, God, gunshots everywhere and, and violence everywhere. It depends what parts of Detroit you go to. Yeah. Um, but there's some parts of Detroit that have been gentrified. Absolutely. I mean, you go to parts of downtown Detroit, it looks absolutely beautiful in some parts. Absolutely beautiful. And wow. there's, like, a historic part of Detroit as well. Um, you know, they try to keep up the heritage from houses that were built you know back in the 50s and what have you and in other places i mean some places have been torn down and revitalized but there's some parts of downtown detroit that are just absolutely stunning and yeah. then other parts of detroit that yeah it does still have that that's not the place you want to go like joy road and some other spots where you know it's infamous for um, oh yeah, if you go down that, mm, I'm scared for you. Yeah, it's 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 insane, man. It's like what is going on in this life? As I'm saying, it's like a whole warp zone thing. You ever see like you ever play Mario? If you go into that very top, like on the first level, when you're in the second, on the first world, second level, when you go on the very top, you you could go into a warp zone and you're in a different level. You go to level four, you could skip all the other ones. Do you know about right. that in Mario Super Mario Brothers, the first one? I don't think I got that far in the game. No, so in in level in world one level two, you know how you go into the tunnel and you're underneath. Oh yeah, do 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 do. 
Right. So if you go all the way towards the end, right, you could go on the top of the ceiling on before you go into the tunnel, like to go out. And there's a warp zone that you could skip to level four. Okay, I do think I remember seeing that. So that's kind of how I feel like we just warped into another place and it's like, okay, this is something else. What's going on? Mm, yeah, okay. But I mean, I don't know if that's a good analogy, but it's just what it feels like. It's like, okay, like like every every tunnel was, okay, this is 2010, this is 2020s, and this is 2023 today or something. And it's just like, oh, okay, what's this? So you just like if you skip all the other years and go to the new year, it's like, oh, this is different. This wasn't like this is not this is not where I used to live at. What's going on here? And you know what's crazy? My mom, she lives in Williamsburg. Um, there's a company <laughs> that bought the the Williamsburg projects. Wow. So they still work with housing, but now it's under a new ownership, which is crazy. Now my mom has to move out, go to a temporary apartment, renovate that just so she can move the hell back in. Like this is what it's come down to now. Like that is insane. Well, I mean, they've even done a, done the same thing in like a small town I mean the town where I live and they um they took out all the projects like literally torn them all down and now they're restored of condos I mean it looks great um but it displaced like all the people used to live there like all the people who lived there like at this place some of them some of them did move back in as far as I I know right, but I, right. I know there's other people who probably didn't get to move back in there bro that that's um that's insane, bro. And that's what I'm saying because when Hurricane Sandy hit, especially in Coley Island, Brighton Beach, my wife was telling me that all the sand, you couldn't even see the road. And everybody that lived there that had houses, they lost their houses. You know, and that was devastating for me. That was like um, when Hurricane Sandy happened around 2007, 2008, it really felt like the end of an era. Yeah. Because I remember um, it was a kind of a thing. I would go down to Atlantic City, go on a boardwalk, and I would ride that blue roller coaster like over by the water. I would go and play the arcade and... Oh, my God. Who plays Just walk the boardwalk. And Dude, who it plays was arcades so anymore? Fun. Who plays... Do they even exist? There still are arcade places. Yeah, okay. As this, far as New York, fact, other than David Buster's, well, come on. But other than David, no, but the, no, okay. So, <laughs> so they got a David Buster's in Detroit, but there is a place in downtown Detroit. I believe it's in downtown Detroit. Yeah, called Barcade. And it's oh, a Barca- bar. Oh, I know Barcade. Yeah, it originally it originated yeah, in, in in New York in Brooklyn. That's what the first one was in. Yep, Williams yep, Park. yep, yep. We got one in downtown Detroit. Yeah, and, they got one in man, Jersey. They got the... one in Manhattan. They got like. Yep. Yeah, I know Barcade. Yeah, I used to go there. Get I went drunk there and play Donkey Kong months ago. I went there for the first time months ago, and man, I felt like I went back in the time machine. Man, I became a big kid. I was playing like the Simpsons game. I was playing that X Men video game, and I was playing Terminator. Everybody has Terminator. House of the Dead. Man, I was a big kid. I was in there for hours just playing video games. Bro, I was like, you yes. can't go wrong, bro. Like a uh, 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 beer and 
or, or just just to have a little drink and just play a video game yeah that that's perfect dude i remember when i used to hang out this i don't want to say when i was in the world but when you know when before i came to christ fully and i was really you know hanging out i barcade was my spot i used to i i would get like a a PBR or whatever. Oh, no, what did they have back then? They had like a middle light or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and I would get these coins. You could, you could use, and this one, you were allowed to use your credit card. Hey, take $10 out and I want $10 in coins. And I would go play these games. They had hockey table. They had all that shit at barcades. And, and, and I wouldn't be there for hours. I would be there like at five in the afternoon. I wouldn't leave until it closed. Because mm. it was so exciting. Because it was Terminator. There was... Oh, this yeah. was the only one. I don't know if they still have it, but they used to have uh, Royal Rumble, the actual arcade game, WWF Royal Rumble. Oh, wow. Um, they had Donkey Kong. They had... Uh, every every arcade has Galaga. Let's be real. Oh, yeah, Galaga. Like, that's a and state If You don't have Galaga. Are you, are you even a real arcade if you don't have Galaga? That's true. That at Centipede. That was the other one. Right, right. Oh my god, it's it's insane, bro. Like I didn't know they. That's cool that they they expand like that. Now I know if I ever go to Detroit, now I know there's a barcade because I, yep, I love barcade. Yep. Oh my god, man! But it's like, dude, I have it. But an actual arcade because in Times Square there used to be an arcade. I think it was the Playland Arcade, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. And then I think they got shot up at, and then they closed it. I think it became a BB King, which you're not gonna believe this. Now it's a Target. Wow. It's a Target now. I went there recently, and you're gonna laugh at me, but um, weeks before I went to times uh, to this city recently, they were talking about bakeries, and I said, you know, I haven't had a cronut in so long because I used to go to the donut pub. Okay. And then I found out it was temporarily closed due to construction, so there was one on Astor Place and Eighth Street. Uh, pretty much if I take the path train to um, 9th Street or um, or was it West 4 or whatever, Christopher Street or whatever it is. And there's the donut pub. It was 24 hours and they had this thing called cronuts. So if a croissant and a donut had a baby, that's what that is. Oh, wow. I've never bro, had that. A cronut, I didn't even know that existed. Bro, my, my coworkers were looking at me like, what the fuck is a cronut? I'm like, no, I'm going to bring some. <laughs> It sounds like a made-up name. It does, but bro, bro why are you, I put why them you onto it? it. I put them on. They're like, "Yo, this is so good." Hey, yo, can you get some more? I'm like, "Yeah, I can get some more." I mean, you gotta give me money because it's five dollars a freaking dough, a cronut. It's like five dollars. So if you want six in a box, that's thirty dollars. Are you gonna give me thirty dollars? Wow. But bro, they had different ones. They had an eggnog flavor. They had a maple flavor. They had an apple cider flavor. Regular <laughs> flavor glaze. It's bro, like cronuts are like. The thing, I remember when they first came out, people would wait online for these damn things. It was wow. ridiculous. A cronut, like, I, I put my wife on, she's like, what the fuck is a cronut? I, I gave it to her, she's like, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I've never heard of it until tonight. <laughs> tonight. Oh my god, bro, but cronuts are amazing. I think, you know, I should hit up Robert Kalzi and ask him, because he loves bagels and shit like that. I gotta ask him, bro, do you know about cronuts? Because I told my brother, my brother's like, yeah, in Texas and California, they have that shit. I was like, oh, that's good to know. If I go to Texas, now I know to get cronuts. <laughs> yeah, a croissant and a donut together. So it's basically the dough they use for a croissant, but the ingredients they use to make donuts. Wow. I, that's creative. Yeah. That's creative. Bro. Now, you know what's expensive, but I, I love this. And 
I get it every single time I go down to like um uh Great Adventure, Six Flags and stuff. Um Dipping Dots. Oh, I love Dipping Dots. Dipping Dots. Oh, if I go oh my god. The only time I've seen those is usually in movie theaters. I've yeah. never and some seven elevens have it. But they have like you... the seven eleven they have like the bootleg versions of it. <laughs> yeah. God, and then um um what's that thing? Um not it, it, I think Edie's makes it. It's um Oh my god, chocolates. It's like 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 it's not a hash brown, it looks like a hash brown, but it's chocolate and it's like vanilla ice cream and wrapped in oh my god. It comes in a it comes in a red burgundy box or a can. Ugh. Oh my god. Watch it come to me later after we finish this episode, I swear. Um oh my god, they they make it all the time. It's like you can eat it's like a little like a little oh my god. You know what? I, I feel like if I keep dwelling on this, we're never gonna go anywhere. But it's Edie's. They make actually you know, I have my phone on here. While I'm looking for it, I have to oh my god. And Edie's makes it. Um Edie's. Give me one wow. second. I'm sorry. Uh, hold on, Edie's. Uh, hold on. Is it wait, Edie's or Eddie's? How do you how do you spell Edie's? That's sad. Edie's. You mean Edie's ice cream? Edie's ice cream. Yeah, Edie's ice cream. Um, maybe if I write dots, maybe it'll, it'll come up. Oh, dibs. Dipping dots. No, but it, no, this thing called dibs. D I B. Oh. Dibs. Oh, okay. And it's, I'm not it's sure little. Yeah, when you get a chance, Google, you'll see what I'm talking about. But Edie's makes that, and, and it's um, Nestle's Crunch, is the chocolate part, and the inside is vanilla ice cream. That sounds delicious. Bro, only Seven Elevens have this because I can't go to Walgreens and find that shit. It's so bad. It's so sad. And Nestle's Toe House was my favorite thing too, with the chocolate chip oh my inside God. the vanilla. Not don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started, bro. Oh my God, it, it's 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 just crazy how life has changed so much that it, 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 it's the little things. It's the little things. Mm -hmm. These are little knickknacks that I love. I love these knickknacks, man. It's it's wow. Oh yeah. Um, just even to the toys we used to play. Do you remember Pogs when Pogs was a thing? Pogs, dude. I remember the freaking Hess truck, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. Hess, remember? I don't even think they have Hess gas stations anymore. No, it's uh, Speedway now. Yeah, I used to have Hess truck, bro. I used to have the Hess truck. See, if I would have known back then what I knew now, dude, that actually is worth money, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, but I, I would like Man, to think I that. Man, I trashed my Hess truck. I'm so upset. I have trashed my Hess truck. No, so one of my friends, um, he likes to save all his stuff, right? So this guy, he lives in Co-op City, my friend Adio, and um, he... Uh, he has the original Tonka trucks before they started making them the way they make now. It's like they were made out of hard metal trucks and they stuff. They were made of hard metal. Yeah. They were made of like hard metal because if you got hit with that, you, <laughs> man, you were in pain. You're right. You were in he pain. He actually has a Tonka truck till this very day, like a fire truck, and it's the original way they made it. I might do I think that's worth money. It has to be because they don't make Tonka trucks like that anymore. Yeah, they definitely don't. Oh my God, it's so crazy how we look back now. It's like that's what I'm saying. Like I think I was telling you earlier about the whole Ed sixty four thing. Like you go to back markets, like you could get it for uh, was it one hundred sixty nine or something like that. I forgot what the price was. I'm like, 
I remember N16, uh, you talking about GoldenEye too. It was so crazy. I was like, damn, GoldenEye. I was talking about WWF No, no Mercy, WrestleMania 2000. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, All-Star Baseball 2000 was my game. Me and my brother used to play that a lot. Wow. Video games have evolved a lot, man. I, I Oh, my God. Like the new Call of Duty game. Have you seen that? No, I have not. So this new game, my 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 friend that um I work with, he um he's a oh my god he is such a gamer. So he said, oh there's the new um Call of Duty that came out, dude. The way the graphics is, it looks as if there's people walking on the street. That his girlfriend, his wife was like, oh what movie is that? I'm like that's not a movie. That that's a game. Wow. Uh, he showed me a, a trailer of it. I was like, oh my God. Like, what is that? 4D, 4K, whatever the hell you call that? What the f Like, bro, it's insane. Oh, yeah. And, like, I remember back when we were playing more. It was all pixelated. Yeah. We're like, ooh, we got the best stuff going on. Now we're looking at this, like, yo, is that real? Is that real? That's what is I was saying. Real? Dude, when the wrestling games were made out of boxes, it was like all pixelated box. Yeah. And then they would do, oh my god, like graphics have, dude, I don't know who to blame, like games or freaking like James Cameron, who made Avatar, <laughs> because you know it took him 15 years to make part two. Yeah, that and yeah, and that movie, I think right now. He revolutionized he he make, graphics, that's what it is. He, he did, revolutionized. he did, he, he did, and matter of fact, right now as the theaters, he actually once again has hit a movie milestone, um, where oh like the movie, god. you said the movie has to break even. And it's already made over a billion dollars. Yeah, he but, wants to be a billionaire. Yeah, there was like a whole thing about him. Like, but here's the thing, though. Yeah. Like, when has James Cameron ever really lost on a movie he's made? That's true. I mean, think about it. If you look Titanic, at Titanic, dude. Terminator you, 2. Yeah. Every, like, Avatar, Aliens. You know like, what's crazy? When you see, but if you see Titanic, the way that movie was, um, was, was filmed, it was ahead of its time. Terminator 2 was ahead of its time. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I'm watching T-1000, still to this day watching watching Terminator 2 and seeing the liquid liquid metal. And this was back in 91, okay? This was back in 91. And this, and this still is like, yeah, it's the graphics still hold up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now, see, see you see that in, 4, in 4K, it's even crazy. I was like, oh, my God. Like... Yeah, he, he, oh my God. Like, he, it's, I guess, because he's like a graphic engineer. So I think that's what makes it even more profound with um, James Cameron. I'm just like, oh my God. Like, it's, uh, it's wild, man. It's just, oh my God. Wow. Wow. Well, I think we're going to just end this right here. Already. Because it's already been like an hour and change. But um, I guess you can. I can just say, Leon. Um, welcome to this podcast. Being my co-host, I'm happy that it was finally meant to be, and I'm freaking ecstatic, excited, and then just doing this off the fly episode just proves the point. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Until next time, peace. All right, peace.